either the pitcher of Dorian Gray goes or I go. Solid. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it does. This is Slow Readers. Hit the theme music. Bam. birds welcome back dear listener reader hi everyone I, I need to lean the fuck in better this is mm. slow readers let me adjust my mic <laughs> yeah that's something you do while we're rolling there you go we never did make that bingo checklist right no we never did it's very easy to make like yeah we yeah, should just do it i forgot if you or i just like google like uh bingo uh Either generator one of us, never and like it. like right away bam mm-hmm. right there yeah uh this is slow readers your weekly fast-paced literature podcast brought to you by top gallant radio here we only ever talk about books we only talk about the words on the page we only talk about literature we don't talk about sodomites we only talk about 19th century uh uh, what do you call it? Shocking memes. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> we only talk about forgotten characters. Well, characters who were added to the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. Oh, yeah. Stuart Townsend played him. Way to remind me about that. Who is uh, that? Stuart Townsend? Yeah, who is that? He played Lestat in Queen of the Damned, bro. Really? Yeah, dude. So he just... I was wondering why he, like there was like a random vampire... Uh, 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 vampire Dorian Gray? Dorian Gray in this... Yeah. yeah. Like, literally... Agent Tom Sawyer. Uh, sorry to jump so far ahead. Uh, we'll we'll pull it back in a moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, what was that popping noise? I don't know. Yeah. Before we hop in, before we pull back in, remember, listeners, as always, if, you, if you're here only for literature talk, please swipe up, scroll down, check out our show notes where there'll be a little heading that says book talk or we'll actually talk about the picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. We swear, this is a real literature podcast. We just like to fuck around. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. We have very short intros right now. <laughs> and a lot of shows have intros. We just, and we're just starting to like be like, you know what, let's keep lock the, the gates. We lock the gates. Lock the gate. Lock the goddamn gates. Welcome to Slow Readers. Welcome show to Slow about Readers. Books. Where we only talk about books. Only talk about books. Only talk about reading. But John C. Riley's in a book. He, he is, I'm sure, somewhere. So, uh, let's introduce ourselves. We should oh, good have done call. this before, but mm-hmm. we didn't because Gabriel Whose drew on a fault tangent. is that? <laughs> anyway, I am your co-host, uh, Daniel Gonzalez. Hello, Daniel. Gonzalez, uh, Gonzalez, uh, Gonzalez. Producer of audio. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and writer of book. I see you has had a new release come out today, is it? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I published it yesterday. It, it takes a little while to actually come out. I see, so. I see. But oh, we'll save s- it for plugs. We'll save it at the end. I know, you brought it up. Save it for <laughs> plugs, you fucking John C. Riley. Gabri- Always plugging. Gabriel, how dare you call me John C. Riley? That's right. One of the finest actors of our generation. One of the few actors who's able to go from like being like like high art dr- a dramatist and then like low ball like uh, William Holmes Farrell. Holmes and Watson? Oh, Holmes. Oh, Will- you say William Farrell? Yeah, William Farrell. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> I'm sure no one in history has ever called him William Farrell. Yeah. Gabriel. Yes. Who and what are you? Hello, everyone. My name's Gabe Mara. I'm a comedian sometimes. I'm a writer most of the time. And I'm an audio producer basically all the time. Yes, there you go. And I'm a little hungover. A little hungover? I thought you were going to be like, and I'm a little sneaker or something like no, that. No, I'm a little hungover. Yeah, no. Gabriel. No, this, this is not a tangent I want to go into, <laughs> but... um. Tangent, I had a nice tangent. wine called The Prisoner that was recommended to me by the professor. Mm-hmm. And now that one of my now that my favorite musician is now a fallen star, mm. there's only room for one prisoner in my life, which is a problem because that title track plays in my head all the time. Policia. Uh-oh, they're coming for him. They're fucking coming for they're us. They're coming for him. But yeah, I'm a good wine, great musician, 
terrible person. Yeah, well, like, well that's a that's a uh, tangent we might not have to go into this early, especially because of how fresh it is. Yes. Um, but yeah, no. Speaking of the wine, though, mm-hmm. um, I've been I've been drinking a lot of uh, rosés because I like rosés. Nice rosés are excellent. It's a nice, co- uh, cozy little like like home thing. It's plus, a nice refreshing kind of wine. Plus, it's not freezing over here, so it could always be like that wonderful kind of like rosé uh, thing. It's gonna be super cool and like the, when it gets hot. Yeah, I made the error of purchasing a wine or so being like, you know what, I kind of want a thick red. It is February after all, and you know, <laughs> I paid the price. That that's actually um well, uh, I didn't pay that kind of price, but I I almost have a hard time appreciating the prisoner. Um, the first time I uh, it is very very thick, but it's very sweet. The, the first time I had it, I was like, it was like, damn, oh, this, this that's, is it's thick like and rich. Straight up, like it's it, almost a dessert wine. I think it, it's basically a dessert wine. It basically is, yeah. It, it was why having three <laughs> glasses of it laid me out. It it would pair it would pair well with like apple pie and like ice cream. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I can see it. I mean that's a lot of sugar, but like a heavy spice, like a cinnamon apple pie. Yeah, but uh, last night, for example, I had like a couple. I had a couple glasses of rosé throughout the day, and then at the end of the day, I was rose like, rosé all day, baby. I'm gonna have like a small little another glass of prisoner mm-hmm. and i had this and i was like well i almost can't take i almost can't i really can't take yeah this. that's a steak wine it needs to be it needs to be paired with like meat mm-hmm. like we had it with pizza last night and really the pizza didn't like like it, it, it drowned out the flavor of the pizza actually so, you you had it i had it i had it red but yeah no i'm like you, you need like a table mild red you need a more of like a an easy mellow dry hey yo this is sweet this is cake uh, it's very tasty. Speaking of which, shout out to fucking Joe's Pizza. Joe Peeps. Joe Peeps. Guys, Elijah Wood gets this pizza, bro. Well, you pointed out that, yeah, Elijah Wood totally says, like, that's his favorite pizza to eat in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking hey, yeah, that pizza's good. Yeah, that's good. some fine pizza. Yeah. So if you're in the Los Angeles area in uh, North Hollywood, where Daniel and I live now, <laughs> Is there only get one? a drink at the 5th, uh-huh. and then go get yourself a Joe's Pizza Slice. Joe Peeps. Or rather, get a drink at uh, uh, Fox if, Fire Club? Fox Fire Room. Fox um, or or if, if you're in Los Angeles and you want to pretend you're in New York, go to a New York-style dive <laughs> bar the 5th, and go to a New York-style pizza place, Joe Peeps. And also, if you plug all those into your GPS, you can cross... Triangulate where we live. Triangulate where we live. Hey. <laughs> Good luck finding us, motherfuckers. You'll never find me. Um, I'm tanning nude more on the non-front. Okay, so Gabriel, we don't go on tangents on this show. No, never. Not once. All right, so very briefly, uh-huh. I want to go into a thing. I feel like we should have a segment name for this kind of talk. Uh-oh. Should it be like the movie corner? What's more inventive than that? Mmm... Let's see. Let me think about this for a second. Dan and Gabby went to the movie. No, it could be. Dan, um, Dan and Dan and Gabby go to movie. Slow viewer. Slow viewers. Slow viewers. Slow America's viewers. Fast-paced movie club podcast. Hey. I am your co-host Daniel Gonzalez. I'm your co-host Gabby Baby Mara. Oh, and together we are Top Gun. Slow Island. view. Oh okay. wait, what? No, no. Okay. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no. Um. So yeah, we saw a movie, mm-hmm. and Gabriel, uh, it's like the last movie I saw in the theaters was uh, Cold War. Yeah, and before, outstanding what was it uh, Polish? P- Polish French. Yes. Um, I'm actually not. I keep forgetting. I think the filmmaker is Polish because uh, yeah, Ida. Takes place in, in Poland. Ida was his older movie. Yeah, and, Ida, and, and that was Ida. Ida. Yeah. If you're if you're curious, if Cold uh, War is playing near you, it is a gorgeous like eighty minute. Like beautiful film about music. Fuck yeah! It it's, makes La La Land look like shit. It's not Idris Elba. What? It's not Idris Elba. It's Idris, Idris Elba. It's DJ Big Driz. Thank you. DJ Big Driz, my boy. Do you um, think if you contacted um like Idris, if you were like Tom Cruise, well, how about if you're like Jennifer Lawrence and you were like, hey, Idris Elba, peer, I'm throwing a party. 
do you want to bring back DJ Big Driz? Do you think Idris Elba would be like, fuck yeah? Uh, I, well, I have no idea if he clearly, still does. Does he still do it at all? I don't think so. But on his Wikipedia page, it says actor, um, film, I think filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, DJ, also known as DJ Big Driz. DJ Big Driz. And it's one of his top nicknames. Um, no, I'm act- I have no idea exactly. Well, if he still is doing it or like does it now and then, mm-hmm. I'm sure he would totally be like. You know, I think our professional goals now that we're in Los Angeles should be get DJ Big Driz to DJ a party. Get DJ get DJ Big Driz to come back and, and, yes. and host our party. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I'm also curious. It's like I feel like also, also that kind of party, uh, uh, DJ Big Driz uh, would be like, I don't want to be the person's. St- I don't want to be the musician at the party. I want to be the center of the party, or like. Well, I he to, would be. To, it would be like it would be like a super celebrity like like DJ set by DJ Big Driz. Well, yeah, but he would be working the whole time. I'm sure he would rather be in the party. I don't know. I don't. I don't pretend I don't to know. know. So anyway, know, Gabriel, what if he club. wants to be a DJ? This again. is not a tangent. This is not a tangent fucking show. What? This is a book club. How we're, dare you? Now we're gonna talk about movies. I have the tangent comics logo tattooed on my thigh. So. Both thighs. What's tangent comic? Whatever. Uh, so the movie I saw before that was Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I almost wish we t- had a whole segment Wait. about that because I fucking hated it. You have a real like like weave in and out good bad good bad movie vibe going. Well, you couldn't get any more different other than Aquaman and Cold War. Aquaman to Cold War to <laughs> an, an overbloated fucking gigantic blockbuster dude bro du- kids dude bro movie for children and very stupid adults. <laughs> yeah, like like watching Aquaman is kind of like the equivalent of how I feel right now, which is my head kind of hurts, my eyes kind of hurt, I'm sensitive to light, and I'm a little nauseated. But it's I like, have to be here. It's like imagine writing the screenplay in three hours with that kind of. Uh, uh, Why is that movie so long? And uh, speaking of which, and then the other one was like this tight, like, like truly, this very inventive little story, tiny little. I mean, it's so yeah, short. Cold but War it's was just gorgeous. Huge. It's 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 really the scope was like of like emotional like the, the travel you feel in people's emotions is amazing. The the music and the visuals in that are so fucking. There are amazing. single shots in that film that'll save me forever. I don't remember more don't... than seventy percent of Aquaman. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I was quite drunk and very sad that day. Do, do you remember Patrick Wilson just shouting at the top of his lungs? I remember him going. Ocean Master. Dun, dun. I remember there's like several times when they, when they go when they mention Ocean Master and the music goes dun dun dun. Yeah. Well, there is um if you on like uh in the episode of Half in the Bag where they review that during like the spoiler thing they have like a behind the scenes footage of him doing one of those things. So it's him and his like ridiculous Ocean Master getup. Yeah, I feel like his ears taped back. But n- not even he's like the whole headpiece is like real. Oh, like well, I actually. Yeah, I think it was covering his ears. It makes sense. Um, but, like, he's just being lifted on a crane. And no music, no special effects, blue screen behind it. And I'm just going, like, rise, Atlantis! And it just, it, it's, you know, it looks so ridiculous. It Being I mean, an actor must be fun. I mean, don't be wrong. Like, props to fucking Patrick Wilson for not making that look awkward. It was yeah. just dumb. Anyway. Hey, not, not to bring in another person who's been disgraced by sexual allegations. Mm. Um, one of my favorite uh, quotes was from uh, Harry Knowles, um, who was talking to like uh, Elijah Wood. Speaking of Elijah Wood, uh-huh. where, you know, he's like, hey, Elijah, why did you make that shitty flipper movie? He's like super smug and kind of douchey about it. Uh-huh. And Elijah Wood, who had been having a good time to that point, just kind of like turns to him with like, a funny look on his face. And he's like, because I was 12 and I wanted to spend summer swimming with dolphins, dude. And it's like, oh, right. These are fun for you. And you, you're not thinking about creating great art all the time. And I'm sure Patrick Wilson had a great time being Ocean Master. I'm, I'm sure they all... Plus, uh, he did movies with uh, uh, Wong before. He yeah. did the the. He did what's called them. The, Both of them. The Insidious? Not Insidious. Uh, what, what? Didn't no. he? No. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it. No, it it's called? not Insidious. What was the one where he plays those phonies? Yeah. The Lorraine... 
Lorraine's. I can't I'm blanking on this. I like those movies too. Oh, Conjuring. The, the, the Conjuring. The Conjuring. The Conjuring. <laughs> <laughs> like the, like, yeah. That's the, that's the one that Riz is making. The Conjuring. Damn straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other one that's just like it. Yeah. Wasn't he in Insidious? Isn't that it was the one Insidious, that, but James Wan, I think, he... only produced that. Well, he produced it then. Yeah. So, like, like they have a history. And yeah. I know that, like, they totally are man-crushing on each other. I thought Insidious was terrible. Uh, I have not... That's the one where they go to the astral plane or something like that? Yeah, right? and that was such a great premise that they wasted by being a shitty horror film. Cool. So, what are you talking about? Anyway, anyway. let's stop talking about Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, very briefly, uh, the movie <laughs> that we saw was Alita, colon... Battle Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gabriel, what was your feelings going into this movie? I was 110% expecting it to be bad. Yes. Um, I, I'd been burned by Aquaman that, you know, I trust AV Club's reviews more often than not. And AV Club gave that one a strong B-. And they gave Battle Angel, uh, Alita Battle Angel, like a B- as well. So I, yeah. I, I, I full-on hated Aquaman. I, I couldn't believe how much I hated it. A- then again, AV... I was very drunk and very sad. A- but... Yeah, a- AV Club has not been, I feel like, very on point with its ratings. I feel like it's, I don't know, it gives, like, certain things, like, absolutely all the props in the world and, like, other things no props and... Well, it just feels, it feels very like, I don't know. Yeah. There's, you know, they have different reviewers reviewing different things. Yeah. But I walked into Battle Angel, we had a, we had a nice, we, we, we had an afternoon of seeing some fine art, we went to the Broad Museum, mm-hmm. and we were having a classy time, and then we went to go see Angel Battle Alita time. Alita Battle Angel. Alita, Alita. Even though the comic is... Little, little Battle Angel. Battle Angel Alita. Gun move. Uh, supposedly, according to IMDb, uh, Alita Golly. in... Alita in Spanish, I know that. Alita <laughs> in Spanish means uh, Little Wing. In Spanish, though, this is done by a Japanese person. Actually, I guess so. Wait, no, that's not true. Al- because yeah. Gabriel, going into this, uh, uh, I don't know if I, I don't think I ever mentioned this on the show. Uh, I grew up, like, in like the not in that makes sense. You grew up inside. Weird. I grew up inside the. No, I was like the hugest fan of this as a kid. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have uh, Spider-Man and all these other yeah. superheroes. You I tend had... to very downplay your otakuness. Yes, I, I well, I used to be. And like, I, don't get me wrong. There's still things I love. Like, I love like these like eight like eight, uh, uh, mid to late '80s slash early '90s manga. Like, like Bubblegum Crisis. Like, uh, hey, Yu Yu Hakusho. I don't remember Dragon Ball. Uh, Bubblegum Crisis. That sounds really funny. Anyway, um, yeah. but no, like like the Mazamin Shiro comics, like Ghost in the Shell and everything. But and Apple Seed. Battle Angelita was totally like like my Spider-Man back in the day. Yeah, and I have I've had huge appreciation. I for remember it. very clearly being in our tenth or eleventh grade homeroom, mm-hmm. and um, you would loan me these comics, and oh, I'd yeah? be like, "Oh yeah, these are good." Has it been that long since you've read them? Yeah, I have not reread these comics since high school. I, I think I must when have, I borrowed your copies. I think I must have picked them up probably in my early twenties again, but it's been about that long. Mm. Um. So yeah, but going into this, I was like. Great, they're gonna make a movie. John James uh, James Cameron. Ugh. Uh, Second, John like, you've been talking about James Cameron making this movie since you've handed me these comics. He, well, he's been talking about making the movie since, since Titanic. That long. Uh, and apparently, uh, Guillermo del Toro was the person who introduced uh, Battle Angel Alita. What to, a world! To James Cameron, saying connectivity. He goes, "No worry, I will make the movie." I made him sound like uh, <laughs> Antonio Banderas. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to do my impression of del Toro, but um, but he says like, "I'll direct this for you." That didn't happen because everything fucking del Toro talks about that he almost makes is a huge cock tease. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then like so and then so I wasn't terribly excited about James Cameron making. I'd be like, okay, I'm I'm sure it's not. I'm never sure excited cool. for anything James Cameron does. Well, he hasn't made him. He hasn't. Been making new movies since What's Titanic. What's the last movie he made? Was it Avatar? Avatar. Wow. And what was the movie he made before that? Titanic. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, he's produced some things, like mm. documentaries, but he hasn't directed. Anyway, but one of those things, he was supposed to do Battle Angelita 
supposedly before Titanic. Wow. And then and then it came out. Wow. That he, and then he talked that he was going to make it before Avatar. When Avatar was a secret project. And then Avatar took over. And now he's just fucking like drowning himself in blue cat people. Ugh, so gosh. like, so he finally passed it off to someone, Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. uh, a man who I'm sure if you went back and hearing like this podcast and the podcast before, I didn't, like I gave him I gave him a lot of shit. Yeah, he deserves a lot of it. He has a very strange batting average. Yes, and and I feel like I was just thinking, when he whiffs it, he whiffs it so hard he knocks out the umpire. Yeah, it, it, that's kind of the thing, and 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 so like I wasn't excited for this, and the trailer came out, and you're just like, you know, I like the trailer for Alita. I think this, I think the first trailer was was disappointing, and then after that, I was just kind of like, this one looks. I dug that. So anyone who doesn't know what this is, it's that trailer you've been seeing where a girl has literal anime eyes, and she's a fighting robot girl, and think, she's in the future. I think, and you know, it looks kind of cool. I, think, I um, thought it looked kind of cool, and I ha- I don't even remotely have the same fondness you do for it, yeah. but, but well, I, I thought it was really great. I, I like the comics a lot. I have the strong tinge of nostalgia for this. Mm-hmm. This is the one thing that I can truly feel nostalgia for besides, yeah. like, Dark Tower. We all know that one. Yeah. So um, basically, um, are we using this as a chance to springboard into our next subseries? Yes, uh, because uh, after we saw the movie, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, let's talk briefly how we felt about that. Uh, I was... Let's say pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, that's actually a really solid way to put it. It's far from the... I mean, it has problems. Like, I can point them out right now. But honestly, I fucking enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, straight up. Like, and it made me It made me go from going, like, fucking Rodriguez sucks to, like, I really like Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, he's always cared. It, he's, he's never, ever been lazy. He goes whole... He go, he whole asses everything. Whole hog. He goes whole hog He goes whole everywhere. hog on the whole ass. Um... Yeah, no, it's it, it like it went from me being like I remember the bad times I've had with them. Now it's like I remember the good times. Yeah, like boy, that Sin City two movie, wolf. Oh yeah, that 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 was bad. It has flashes of like great moments, and then they get sucked it's away. Confusingly right away. terrible. Uh, same thing with Machete two, mm-hmm. which like had little moments where it's like I love this. Can we like slow down and pay like, and like look at this? I've never know? seen such a big like. The last time I saw a original to sequel drop in quality that big, it was Ted and Ted 2. <laughs> Ted 2 is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, period. Oh, wow. And I thought Ted 1 was actually a great movie. I, I very much enjoyed and Ted 1. Yeah. Ted 2 is so bad, it makes Ted 1 unwatchable now. Like, well. it ruined I'll, it. I'll never watch Ted 2 then, because I, I still I still appreciate Ted. Yeah, really like, <laughs> like T- Ted 2 had, like, exactly one joke that I thought was really funny. Uh-huh. I don't even want to repeat it. But, you know, it's one of those things where it ruins the legacy of the first one. Mm-hmm. And it and they forced the sequel, and it was just shit. And Sin City up. 2 basically does that for Sin City 1 for me. Even though, to not be honest, that I even I, loved Sin City 1 that much. I did, not, I did not like Sin City 1, to be honest with you. Did you like it when it came out? No. Hmm. I remember I saw it with my dad in I saw it with you. With your dad. You did? Yes. Oh. Well, I remember having dinner with my dad. I don't remember a game there. Yeah, no, but, I was not there for dinner. Okay. Oh. I remember and like talking about how I like I was like I like I, I was kinda of disappointing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um so anyway, the Anyway. So, so like yeah, no, pleasantly surprised. Also, before we before we go into this, the last thing I want to say about this is that uh, I think one of the reasons why it's really great is because uh, Rosa Salazar, she's excellent, who plays the lead character Alita, um, was incredible. She's great. I uh, yeah, and like honestly, because like the screenplay was the weakest element of the whole thing, mm-hmm. and and like honestly, if you just have like a central character who like the whole thing just revolves around, it just makes everything worth it. Uh, we can talk about this more in future episodes mm-hmm. because that gave us uh, a strong jab in the spine. Uh huh. 
And Gabriel, what are we going to do about this? This this newfound appreciation of this old thing that I used to, I used to love. Well, <laughs> fans of the show know that every now and again, Daniel and I like to be lazy because sometimes it's really Ooh. difficult to read all these books. It's so hard Because they're so hard. Even like these other literature podcasts, they don't read, they don't release weekly reading a, a book a week. They go like two weeks or they <laughs> we, trade back and forth. The whole joke of this to the start is that it's a stupidly Herculean task. Yeah. And, and I'm like, proud of us that, we're, that we have a pretty good batting average. <laughs> now the joke is that we can't, we don't. We can't allow ourselves to be lazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Hey, that's, that's only a good thing. But in any case, you know that we've had kind of like interim kind of series where we would do like um, the nine stories or the, the nine for nine where we did every episode of the nine stories. So it'd be a shorter read. So what we're going to do now is whenever we're exhausted from reading the next, I don't know, David Foster Wallace book. Were there any on the list? Uh, on the Strand 80? Oh, by the way, this this is the Strand 80. Well, yeah, we can talk about it during the book. Yeah, talk. anyway, I don't think there was. <laughs> Uh, I, th- I think it was Infinite David Jester Foster- on there. Yeah, was that him? Yeah. Wasn't David Foster the guy, like the nonfiction writer who killed himself? Yeah. Okay. No, he was a fiction writer. Um, I think he also played. Um, I think about somebody else. Who, who was the guy who like his uh, famous essay was like "This is Water" or? Like... Yeah, that's David Foster Wallace. Okay, so he's the he's the he same also guy played Jimmy Lannister. Nikolai Coster Waldo. Yes, <laughs> okay. Nikolai Coster Waldo, the Foster Wallace. Uh, no, when did what's his face play him? Jason Siegel? Yeah, movie? I saw that movie. Okay, it was good. Good for him. I actually know nothing about this dude, so besides yeah, the fact that he's yeah, dead. he was he was a big deal. Okay. But anyway, um, we're doing the Strand eighty, and so we're gonna be doing a whole new little subseries for when we're lazy, where we're covering every book in the original Battle Angel Alita series. So that's yes. nine volumes, nine much volumes. like nine like our nine stories. So <laughs> yeah. every now and again, we're gonna be doing a random episode of our Battle Angel Alita mini series. Did we have a name for it? Uh uh. uh uh, coffee break with Alita. <laughs> coffee break of Alita. Sure. Mm. We'll we'll workshop that. We'll figure it out. We'll have a name for it. Um, but yeah, and I tell you what, I think the first thing we should do is do the first two books, since it actually covers most of everything in the movie. Okay. And I think that'd be a fair thing to talk about because, like, after that, we can talk about stories that haven't really. Sure, we'll do one, two, and then we'll do three. Hit. We'll do four, etc. Yeah. Also, because I read the first one already, and um, mm-hmm. spoiler alert: the f- sure. first one's not like the strongest. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was his first thing that he's done. So. Yeah. Uh, and yes, just the original series. We're not going to do Last Order Last or Order. Mars Chronicles. Mars Chronicles, because I started reading. Uh, I got like three or four volumes in the Last Order, and I didn't really like it from volume one, and it only got went downhill from there. Yeah, you know that when I'm Huge. bored, I just go to Barnes and Noble and I read comics, and I've tried reading Last Order several times. No good. It, it, they really Dragon Ball it, you know. It, mm-hmm. it just or Dragon Ball Z it specifically. Where it just How becomes do you a series mean? of. It just becomes a series of her just tackling on like stronger. Oh, and, so basically like like villain escalation. It's yeah, like whatever you want to call that. Whereas like the original thing feels a little more just like a sci-fi, like action story. You yeah. know. Anyway. Anyway. So we're running on a bit long. Cool. But we'll... thanks for asking me what I thought about the movie. Uh no. Uh okay. Gabriel. No, 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 no I'm sorry. for next time. No, I thought we. No, no, thought... no, no. No, I I swear mm-hmm. to God, I thought when I I thought I said like splendid surprise, right? And then, yeah, and I thought we no. talked about it a little bit. No, you didn't. No. Okay. Do you want to talk about it? No, we'll wait till next time. Okay, we'll talk about it the next time Gabriel's feelings on the uh-huh. Alita movie. Yeah. We'll we'll go deeper also in detail about how Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about Alita for nine straight weeks. Well not straight weeks, nine weeks basically. Yeah, well eight weeks. Eight weeks. Yeah, there we go. So we'll, we'll have plenty of time. We'll have plenty we of time. We ran out of time we ran out of stuff to talk about with Salinger. Or me yeah, that like dead really fun. early on. Yeah, like no. by episode three. So we'll talk about it. And maybe maybe we'll even go into Last Order if we really feel like it, just to be like, This is why we don't like it. I don't maybe. Know. If we're doing that, then we're doing a manga of my choice too, damn it. Okay, which one do you want to read? Bakuma. What? Bakuma. The hell's that? Maybe, or maybe Bakuma be something else. Okay. 
Uh, but yeah, we'll do that. And also tune in next time to find out Gabriel's opinions on the Alita movie. Yay! <laughs> so, um, yeah, also because we're running along. I would have kept talking mm-hmm. about a lot of this. But oh, really? We go. Yeah, I know we are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so... We'll, let's we'll, talk about Oscar Wilde! Let's, talk, let's go on break. After a break. talk about Oscar Wilde, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, go to break. Now. Boom! You're the pervert. Welcome back, mm-hmm. dear listener readers. Hi, folks. To, I need to get closer, to Slow Readers. And more specifically, welcome to the fourth episode of The Strand 80. Strand 80. Where Daniel Gonzalez and I, Gabe Mara, are going to cover mm. every single book on The Strand Top eight, not ten, not top eighty. It's called the Strand eighty. For those who don't know, the Strand is the biggest bookstore in New York City, maybe the country, maybe the world, and they have a wonderful collection of eighty books that are just reader favorites. Some of them are long, some of them are really long, and some of them are the same Harry Potter book four times. Yes, and the same Harry Potter series, whereas an entire series gets fit into one entry. Otherwise, which is really the, the, my biggest problem with that. That's so annoying. So uh, again, you bump, you bump like this book with. To be tied with Handmaid's Tale, and you have four Harry Potter books on the list. Are you serious? Yeah, and and also and you turn all of Chronicles of Narnia into one. Yeah, and also uh four kind of four and Ryan novels. How is that a thing? So speaking of which, yes. Uh, now last time. Thanks we, for swiping here, you guys. If you if you hurried over. We we bumped. Yeah, we we went on a bit of a tangent. It was a bit messy. Us? Yeah, I know. We we usually don't. We're usually not that unprofessional, but I feel like this time we were. <laughs> Um, but no, the, uh, last time we rolled an 80, which, uh, it was a tie. It was a yes, handmade we roll, a, we roll an 80-sided die yeah. to find out which book to do. Last time we rolled 80, I meant, like, we actually rolled an 80, not, like, an 80 Yeah, yeah, sometimes. We roll but, a crit- um, um, top critical. It was, uh, it was, uh, Handmaid's Tale, which we read. We did for, like, episode four or something. Or early on we did it. Yeah, I always feel like I would want to do that again. Because I was always embarrassed by how I felt. But I feel like I was giving that book a hard time. Like, I was, like, I think you definitely like were, it. weirdly so. Yeah, so I was like, and like immediately afterwards, I was like, why does it like that? Yeah, it's I a thought it was book. good. It's a genuinely great book. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I almost wish we, I almost wish we can do it again, but instead, we had to do the other eighty yeah. book. And Gabriel, what was the other eighty book? The other book at number eighty, tied to Handmaid's Tale, is Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, Gabriel, <laughs> have you read this book before? I have. If you'll recall, listeners, from the very beginning with us, uh, when we started the show, I was taking a course in um, uh, 19th century English literature uh-huh. to get my degree, finally. Uh-huh. And this is one of the books that I read. And uh, I remember reading this book for a college course somewhere in there. Mm, the uh, same one you have to read George Eliot? Yeah, I think so, actually. God, I, I was miserable in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and Gabriel, what was your opinions reading uh Dorian Gray the first time. The first time, funnily enough. Um, For listeners who don't realize, Daniel and I were not good at school. (laughs) And if you try to make me read something for school, I'm going to hate it even if it's a great book. (laughs) When I had to read um, Great Gatsby, one of my favorite books, for school, I hated it because I was being made to do it. And now that it's our own endeavor, um, well, back when I read it for school, I was not into it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I got it. But I was really into it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
uh, this, I have a whole spiel to go on in this in a little bit, but Daniel, did you hate it the first time you read it? Uh, yeah, when I read it the first time, I think it was for a college class. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember just not being into it at all. Uh, I need to get closer to the mic. Uh, and he, it was, I was not into it at all. And speaking of which, in a similar way, uh, I, I read Catching the Red when I was like 14. I thought it was my favorite book in the world. Mm-hmm. And then when I read it, when we had to read it for high school, even though I was propping this up for like years to my friends being like can't wait till we read catching the road it's a cool book and everybody hated it uh and i did not read it yeah that adds up uh so yeah we're not good at the whole school thing <laughs> we're not good at the whole school thing we get really mm-hmm. lazy well Daniel, um are you a big fan of older british literature no i tend you are to... distinctly not if i'm if I, I recall correctly i distinctly and like this sounds like a real like a heretical kind of thing to do especially for like anyone who treats themselves very uh, seriously about literature mm-hmm. i try to avoid 19th century and older literature mm-hmm. uh, entirely um like i don't really get a lot of i don't i don't get a lot of enjoyment out of reading certain older books i mean a lot of it comes down to not the enjoyment but just doing it, it that that is the it's thing. just it's like, rounding out your education like there are still books out there that i definitely do want to like read at some point you know uh your and of greek gables that was a 19th century or is it really no, 20th? I believe that's that's 20th century. Okay, um, I believe so. But you have like like Moby Dicks, and I d- at some point I'll read an Austen novel. Uh, there's plenty on the Pride list. or Prejudice is on there. There's yeah, only one on there. Is what Pride really not uh, Sensibility? No, only Pride and Prejudice. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I, to be honest, I get Austen books confused with uh, Bronte books. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, that also isn't one. Well, Bronte, uh, she's on there, right? With them. She, um... she only Jane Eyre's on there. Oh, she'll, um, Wuthering Heights is um Emily Bronte. Wait, who? Wait, really? Jane Eyre is Charlotte Bronte. Wuthering oh, Heights no. is Emily yeah, I Bronte. I completely forgot about that. I thought they were the same Bronte. Yes, no. Uh, well, good for them. Both sisters doing very well. Yeah, there's a third sister, by the way. Oh, not as popular. No. There's a really great, um, uh, if you're familiar with the, the, the webcomic, um, Hark a Vagrant um, by Kate Beaton. It's really amazing historical and literature comics. Um, and three, like, you know, uh, I'll go into when we eventually do Jane Eyre, but I know a lot about the Brontes. That they um originally published under male names because they had to, yeah. and part of it is that they're all into like super broody, shitty dudes. Like the male protagonist, like um in Mr. The, Rochester is like Jane Eyre, yeah. an awful, shitty person. So there's a comic where um Emily and Charlotte are like dude. It's called Dude Watching the Brontes, <laughs> and it's like um they're like oh boy, Charlotte, check out that guy. It's like yeah, he's super hot. And third sister, whose name I don't remember, is is just like. What do you talk about? That guy's a ugly, hideous, cruel man. They're like, ugh. This is why no one reads your books. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so good. Take that third part, sister. <laughs> yeah, and um, Anne of Green Gables, 1908. Okay, cool. Well, close. Anyways, no, yeah, no, I try, I try to avoid that, and I tend not to especially avoid most British literature for mm. kind of similar reasons. Do, 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 do you like any British authors? Yeah. John the Corre, not because he oh, writes well. Oh, that's right. Not because he writes well. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Well, there, there is. Uh, I mean, we could talk about this maybe when we get into like You're the some biggest real... um, J.K. Rowling fan I know. Yeah, uh, clearly. No, I mean she's different. Um, but like she's definitely much more modern. Yeah, she's or... definitely she's in her own stratosphere. There is like there is something I definitely like about literature and like language and li- uh-huh. and and you know writing, and that I don't get a lot of that out of British literature. I don't remember, like don't get me wrong, like the story, the characters, and everything that can all be great, and I can appreciate those. But like on the whole, reading the literature. The, the it's, act it's of reading yeah. it. Like, like I love Le Carre, not because Le Carre is a great writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Harry Potter, even. I've never read, I've never read Harry Potter, but, like, it's not... She doesn't write like that. Mm-hmm. She, she's a very modern writer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. I think it's interesting in that case that, um, going back to my schooling, I 
I found the appreciation for these books more because I took the course. Now that I had a specific cultural backdrop for it, mm -hmm. that learning the context and the background of these books, specifically like Dorian Gray, I got to appreciate it a lot more. That I like my only context for George Eliot in the past was you shitting on her. Yeah. So when I finally had to read Silas Marner, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, fuck you. Well, fuck you uh, too. So Gabriel, this time around, uh -huh. did your opinion on the picture? Of Dor is the picture of Dorian Picture, Ray. not portrait. Why not? I don't know. Okay. I'm sure there's some kind of symbol symbolism. I don't know. Oscar Wilde was not stupid. We No, he wasn't. He just maybe wasn't good at titling mm -hmm. things. Uh, but Gabriel... Or the importance of being earnest. That's a great title. Did you... What? Change your opinion on the picture of Dorian Gray? Not necessarily. My appreciation deepened. Did I... Do I still... Do I like it? Do I enjoy it? Not really. No. I, I, I get it more and more every time I read it. And now this is the first time I'm reading it without school forcing me to do it. While I have the knowledge I gained from the schooling from it. And now I, I appreciate it like a work of art from a style I don't like. Like, like I'm not big on sculpture. I think sculptures are really amazing. If you can, if you're a sculptor, that's incredible. But I don't go to museums to look at sculptures. I go to look at paintings. So when I find a really amazing sculpture, I'm like, wow. I should really appreciate this more, but it's not really my thing. Uh, in a similar way, uh, I I did a very similar thing mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, I know I appreciated it. Like I remember before I liked it a lot more. Also, I do want to say cool. that uh, when I re revisited it this time mm -hmm. around, uh, I listened to the audiobook abridged. Probably a good idea. On high books. And let me tell you, the abridged version, uh, on, on what much app? Much better. On the the high books app. High books? Yeah. It's also amazing. High books like hello, yeah. hi. Yeah, books? like hi. Cool. And like basically, it was uh, it was actually one of because like some books are free on there. Some books, uh, some uh, they're free with the subscription. Sure. Some books are just like super like discounted because mm -hmm. of the subscription and everything like that. Um, this was a uh, free with subscription. Very neat. And you know what? It was uh, three hours and fifteen minutes. Great. Um, the so that was like a couple hours of Bloodborne. Yeah. Well, uh, Dark Souls specifically. Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, then but, we're going. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. First of all, let's talk what, about what is this book about? And also, what do you know about Oscar Wilde? Start uh, off what it's about. Okay, let's talk about that, because I think you know more about Oscar Wilde I do. than me. That, that's, he's definitely more your about than me. I mean, I resent that, you're but okay. Totally, you're totally... You're uh, like yeah. an Oscar Wilde pit, pit, uh, pitcher So boy. not. Yeah, pitcher boy. <laughs> What'd you call me? An <laughs> Oscar Wilde pitcher? Pitcher, pitcher boy, no, I I'm said. I'm a pitcher? Which doesn't... I was like, what is that I'm, mean? A, I'm a pitcher for Oscar Wilde? <laughs> yeah, you're a, pit, you're a, you're a pitcher. That makes him the like, catcher. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. He was a total catcher. Mm-hmm. Um... That was crude, but when a catcher means a catcher, probably accurate. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah, a uh, picture of Dorian Gray uh, starts with two uh, British dudes. Mm -hmm. One of them is Basil. Basil Hallward. The other one is Lord Gray. Uh, no. What? No, Lord Gray. Lord Henry. Lord Henry. Say. Um. Uh, Walcott. Yeah. Wall Lord, Wallard. Wallard? Lord, Hen Lord Henry. Whatever. Jesus. Um. So like, uh, let's Wait, just did I bring my copy with me? Lord Henry. You just that's fine. Lord Henry. Mm -hmm. You're not going to call him by his full name the whole time around, and his last name is important because no yeah, one, he's Lord Henry. Nobody remembers these guys, even though like they're, they're more does. characters. No, they don't. Lord Henry Watson. Okay. Rhymes oh my Cotton. God! For all you people out there who are huge Dorian Gray heads, hey, there are a lot of them, and huge fans of Oscar Wilde. There are a lot of them. There are, unfortunately, because like as much Didn't as you I see did... Parisia Tim and that really great little short that uh, that Wes Craven did about Oscar Wilde. No. It's actually really charming. Yeah, sure, whatever. Anyway, so uh, those Emily two... Emily Mortimer's in it. So it starts with uh, Basil, 
Mm-hmm. He painted this portrait. And he he describes that he put himself into the thing. He yes. Put, put his a piece of his soul, and he's uh, painted the portrait of this beautiful young man mm-hmm. named Dorian Gray. He and... refuses to tell Lord Henry who it is first. What's that? He refuses to tell Lord Henry who it is first. He does at first. And then Lord when Lord Henry, because Lord Henry sees his portrait, and he goes, oh my, who is oh, that? that boy? Who is that sexy boy? Mm. Um, like, like he's basically drooling all over. It. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Lord Henry also, first off, is uh, an immoral man. When we're introduced to him, he, uh, uh, he he's definitely... Not... Not, not, not to get too far into it, he's definitely well. I mean, maybe you can correct me, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I was gonna say like he he has like this philo- He's like the philosophical, like almost like the moral weird center of this, mm-hmm. the dark center. Yeah, where he he's truly a narcissist, and he believes in like shallow being like shallow beauty, basically beating everything else. Like that's the not even necessarily shallow. He just believes in a hedonistic. Like appreciation of your senses more above all else. Okay, I think it's the same thing. But, yeah, no, but uh, he appreciates beauty for true beauty. Um, yeah, he doesn't on. appreciate true beauty. He just appreciates beauty. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but uh, so then at some, then at some point he's like, "Yo, hook me up with them." And at some point we meet Dorian Gray, who's this bratty boy going, "I'm tired of sitting for this picture. I want to go. I want to go out in the sun. Wants to play flowers." And Lord Henry takes him out and kind of does like this kind of like whispers in his ear about like you like, "Hey, you could. You're a beautiful young man. Mm-hmm. You should live to be beautiful. You should live to do live deliciously." To quote a famous sure. phrase, a great movie. Um, and uh, and basically like so, Gray becomes. Uh, seduced by this kind of like idea about like oh I should love myself for like these like mm-hmm. hedonistic pleasures whatever uh, brief... the genuine meaning of to thine own self be true what's that the genuine meaning of to thine own self be true genuine me the genuine, genuine meaning okay. of to thine own self be true okay what's that from that's from Hamlet Hamlet okay I believe Claudius says it if it was a huge Hamlet, I, don't, I like Hamlet, really? but I, I mean, people mis- people misquote, misunderstand that quote all the time. Yeah, that they think they think it means be so. true to yourself, but what he actually means is pursue your own desires above everything else. Yeah, and uh, basically that's what Gray does. So um, uh, l- let's cut things short. Uh, yeah, I'm like, are you doing the scene by scene? Oh no, I was almost gonna run through the entire plot. Whenever, hey, whenever I listen to any other show that actually does these kind of things with books or movies, they actually do run through the entire plot, which what? we don't do. No, why would, we, why would we do that? Because that's what other shows do. I mean, we're not going to do that. I just keep going along. This is why yeah. I usually throw it to you. Fuck them. Um, so, okay, really quick. Uh, Gray falls in love with an actress. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Sybil Vane. Sybil Vane. And then when those two fall in love, Sybil Vane suddenly realizes, I'm truly in love with this man. Uh, I used to only live for the for my art. Mm-hmm. And then so... I'm, she plays Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. Art suddenly becomes like uh, meaningless to her because she's like, that's not real. This is real between me and Gray. Mm-hmm. And then when Gray brings his, uh, his dudes over, Watch and Henry. She's horrible on the stage. The the two older men, especially Lord Henry, who's like, like become like his mentor, goes like, "Ugh, I'm going to go in the carriage." Mm-hmm. So I'm also trying to I'm repeating like voices I heard from the audiobook. Sure, version. it's a good audiobook to be honest. Cool. With you. I, I, if you ever want to revisit, I totally get anyone this. cool read it. Uh, no, I don't remember. Actually, I don't think so. No. Um, but uh, and then so so he goes to, so he tells the chick. I'm done with you. You're supposed to be a good actress. I don't care about true love or mm-hmm. whatever. I care about you impressing my dudes with your good art. And then she kills herself. Yep. Because uh, she's so heartbroken. She's so heartbroken. Uh, Gray finds it shocking. Uh, at this point, he discovers that the picture of Dorian Gray mm-hmm. is starting to change. The portrait that he has taken from, that Basil's gifted him with. Yes. Uh, it changes. It, start, it starts becoming, what, like slightly uglier, I think? Well, the first thing that happens is, is when it? he, when the first time he like, so he shuts down um, 
Sybil. Like, like, fuck you, you're terrible now. And then he starts to having an inkling of regret. Mm-hmm. Well, also, like, the portrait, it, 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 you just have, like, a, a fair expression on his face. Mm-hmm. And it has, like, a sneer. So then he goes back to be like, Sybil, I'm just kidding. And turns out she killed herself. Yes. So now, like, the painting's permanently marred. And, uh... And then we flash forward, I think uh, uh, Gray grows up a little bit, years have passed, and like we get uh, hints of him, actually maybe this is in the not a bridge version, but mm-hmm. we get hints of him basically kind of being involved with like the wrong people, kind of yeah, basically. showing up in like... Opium uh, Den kind of folks. Like opium Den, fighting with sailors, and like do it, like kind of like, no, nothing is really explicit, but they keep talking about him being seen in like the long crowds of wrong areas. Yeah. Uh, some scandalous areas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people start to like basically make rumors about what he's doing. Uh, cut to, I think, what? Um, I'm going to ignore the whole thing with the brother. That's boring. Uh, what, the brother? Okay, well, sure. <laughs> Basil, we can talk about it later. But uh, Basil, at some point, uh, kind of confronts Gray about like his behaviors, and he wants to see the painting. Yeah, because it's many years later, and he's he's not changed. He's not changed. He's a still beautiful young man, unmarred. You don't, you'd look at him, you'd think that he's pure. Yeah. And then, so at some point... I think he, he's still, like 20. He shows Basil the portrait. Basil goes, oh my God, look at that. It's terrible. It's and hideous. It's hideous because the portrait is getting uglier as as mm-hmm. time goes on, and especially Gray himself kind of goes dar- into darker and darker areas. Sure. And then, um, kind of like almost on like a complete urge or an almost on a whim, uh, Gray kills Basil with a knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and well, like like Basil's like, I must destroy this painting. Yeah. And then so Basil's like, Don't you dare! And he kills him. Yeah. There you go. So. And, uh, and it gets his bro to kind of, he comes over this dude who hates him being like, I won't do this. And he goes like, well, I will send this letter. Alan Campbell. Alan Campbell. And he'll be like, here's this letter. Uh, I'm going to send it if you don't do this. And he does it. He Cam- blackmails him into destroying um, Basil's body. Yes. Uh, and then there's a, and then we should cut the subplot where Sybil Vanning? Vanning? Sybil Vane. Vane. Um, has a brother who basically is... Swore revenge. Has swore revenge against Grey. Uh, tries to kill him once, but Grey goes like, that was 18 years ago, look at me. I, do I look I'm like I'm boy. 40 or whatever? Mm-hmm. And he goes, no. And then some later go like, he just fucked you. Dude, <laughs> shit me? Gotcha. You should have killed that guy. People want to kill that guy for years. That's Dorian Gray, Prince Charming. And then he kept... And Johnny Vane's like, fuck. Just kind of just like, god damn it. Shit. How did I fuck something else this bad? Fuck. fuck goes after him uh kind of gets like shot in an almost like yeah. weirdly like, <laughs> like a weird set of circumstances he, he tried to protect rabbits from getting shot Is something he's in the bushes yeah he was in the th- he was in the thicket or whatever uh-huh. so like he, he throws himself in front of somebody shooting a thing and like gray finds out like oddly he's enough it's like beauty. Oh, that was the guy who i was I oh was fuck the dude's gonna kill me and it's like dude i fucking i I slipped in my... I, I, this is a freebie, you know? Mm, like, I dodged a bullet. Literally. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then uh, then that happens. He tries to tell Lord Henry. He starts... He, now and then he keeps having his flashes of remorse and mm-hmm. about who he is and what he's done. He even tells Henry, uh, Lord Henry, it's like, I've done all these horrible things. Mm-hmm. And like, dude, I... Like, not only that, I killed ba- Basil. I mm-hmm. killed him. And I murdered our friend. Lord Henry's like, no, you didn't. Nah, Lord Henry. <laughs> and, and, and he vanishes from the story. Uh, yeah. And then uh, at the uh, story ends with uh, Gray conf- like expecting that like oh I'm starting to change I'm starting to become a better person like just like for like one split second that yeah. he kind of does he has a thing. hint of regret he has a hint of regret and he has a hint of not diving headfirst into hedonism instead of just being like oh yeah he, I'm like, gonna be good now and then so he looks at the painting being like hopefully the painting's gonna be better and it's even uglier it has like a bit more of cunning in t- in it yeah. as well. So Gray goes, well, I'm going to destroy it. And he uses the knife that he used to kill Basil, and he stabs the portrait. People outside go, what was that noise? And they come inside, and they find Gray, or they find the portrait of Dorian Gray being, like, the same portrait that Basil... The same beautiful portrait that, that Basil originally painted. Basil originally painted. And on the ground is this 
old, decrepit, ugly-looking man Mm -hmm. with a knife in his own heart, and uh, that's gray. Yep. And the story ends, and then there's a dance sequence, just like in any Bollywood movie. Yeah, just like at the end of uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, Bilbo goes to the Far Lands. Yes. Gabriel. Daniel. (laughs) Yes. Let's ask the main... Let's let's bring up the thing that I think I want to talk the most about with you. All right, what's that? The preface. What's the preface? The whole introduction? No, I don't think my... Uh, my really? That the whole art for art's sake thing? No, yeah. Oh, fuck, let me get my copy. Well, that's the introduction. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, Daniel, um, I'm guessing the abridged version you listened to did not have the preface? No, it just starts with the story. Okay, Um, I, I will read this for you very, very quickly. Okay. I'd make you read it, but then you're a slow reader. Okay, Daniel. So... Um, as we know, the book was published in 1891. I didn't know that. It was, well, as they will know now, it was published <laughs> yeah. in 1891. It was originally published in a magazine, and after some serious revisions, it was released as a book. There was a lot more references to gay sex and a lot of other more amoral things. You said there's more, there's more actual There was a lot more. more. Okay. And um, but this was in the Victorian era where they were all about, you know, repression and, like, people were just very all about... Yeah, no second like like no references to sex. All about family values, etc. Yeah, especially especially with gay sex mm-hmm. because like this whole book, like every character is at least bisexual. Yeah, everyone is the like man. probably gay. Uh, women aren't particularly flattering. There are basically no women in this book. There's Sybil. There's um. There's Henry's wife who shows up for like a scene or two just to be like a flippity gibbet that oh, she bails. <laughs> flippity gibbet. Uh, mm-hmm. I, she was not in the actual abridged version. Yeah. But like, yeah, like the only like the most prominent character was uh, Sybil, who's not that much of a character. Yeah, she's and like just, Sybil's like, mom is she, there just to be flady. like gold dig. Yeah, she. There's that. There's like some old lady who goes like, "Fuck you, Jamie. Dorian." What's James. Who? James. Her Sybil's brother. Oh, Johnny. Johnny. John. Fuck you, Johnny. Fuck it up. Anyway, he, he did something bad to me. Yeah. All right, go ahead. So, um. A little more back to it, that in the Victorian era. Um, so there was an art movement. Well, there was first there was French um, decadence, decadence, just French decadence, where in this kind of oppressed time, Oscar Wilde and many others became really, they began to rally behind something called aestheticism, mm-hmm. where in this really, really like, imagine rock and roll in the 50s, mm-hmm. that these, these artists, these writers, these painters became obsessed with worshipping beauty and art only for art's sake alone. Because all the stories prior to that had to have a moral, had to have a forced thing that evil was always punished, etc. So Oscar Wilde was very much a champion of, I'm going to make something beautiful just because it's beautiful. It doesn't have to be a lesson or a moral or anything. Mm-hmm. And then people came at him fucking hard, especially over Dorian Gray. So Oscar Wilde publishes this thing. And... To listen and react as you would normally. Mm-hmm. The artist is the creator of beautiful things. To reveal art and conceal the artist is, to, is uh, art's aim. The critic is he who can translate into another manner or wait, a new wait, material. Wait, 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 hold on, pause. Uh, to reveal art and... And conceal the artist is art's aim. That's hilarious coming from Wilde. Yeah, no, yeah. okay, like, hold on. Yeah, keep, <laughs> okay. yeah no, react. Okay. okay. The critic is he who can translate into another manner or a new material his impression of beautiful things. The highest as the lowest form of criticism is a mode of autobiography. Those who find ugly meanings in... Those who find ugly meanings in beautiful things are corrupt without being charming. This is a fault. Those who find beautiful meanings in beautiful things are the cultivated. For these, there is hope. They are the elect. They are the elect to whom beautiful things mean only beauty. There is no such thing as a moral or an immoral book. Books are well written or badly written. That is all. The 19th century dislike of realism and the rage is the rage of Caliban seeing his own face in the glass. Shakespeare. Mm. The 19th century, you know, that's it. the moral life of man forms part of the subject matter of the artist, but the morality of art consists in the perfect use of an imperfect medium. 
Uh-huh. No artist desires to prove anything. Even things that are true can be proved. No artist has ethical sympathies. An ethical sympathy in an artist is an unpardonable mannerism of style. No artist is ever morbid. The art can express everything. Thought and language are to the artist instruments of an art. Vice and virtue are to the artist materials for an art. From the point of view of form, the type of all the arts is the art of the musician. From the point of view of feeling, the actor's craft is the type. All art is at once surface and symbol. Those who go beneath the surface do so at their peril. Those who read the symbol do so at their peril. It is a spectator and not life that art really mirrors. Diversity of opinion about a work of art shows that the work is new, complex, and vital. When critics disagree, the artist is in accord with himself. We can forgive a man for making useful as long as, as long as he does not admire it. The only excuse for making a useless thing is that one admires it intensely. All art is quite useless. So that is a famous preface to no, yeah. Picture of Dorian Gray. Daniel, what do you think about that thing? Well, uh, I kind of tuned out for a little bit there. Yeah, I believe it. But, well, it was it was long. And, yeah, mm-hmm. um, It wasn't long. It was like a page. But, you know, Assumption's like, yeah, okay, I get it. What are you saying? Um, basically, yeah. First off, it's like, well, he must be talking about another book. Second off, uh, Le yeah, it sounds very much like he's kind of addressing the controversy around this book mm-hmm. like he's basically saying like this this like you know no book is truly immoral like uh, it basically just represents something of course i mean all that to be honest all that is perfectly cool the only thing well here's the thing about like reading something like shocking from 1891 yeah right is that this book really isn't that shocking at all mm-hmm. like poe oh, is more shocking to, you to, no we have to recall that back then this was the most scandalous thing in the world yeah and it's you have to appreciate the sub like the the context of the book and it's yeah no it it, it is and but like you can appreciate it for that but also on top of that like it doesn't have that same kind of gut reaction like essentially it's like any other controversial book or movie or whatever mm-hmm. that has come out where like it's shocking and then like a few decades later it's not that shocking anymore mm-hmm. and like once something lo- kind of loses its shocking quality it's kind of merits wane a bit like i don't know like um i'm trying to think about great like a uh, clockwork orange right that was sure. super fucking shocking and and whatnot i think it still is it still is and it's also a good uh movie it's also a masterpiece it, it the movie is i, I read the book it's too. one of the few uh, cubbies i like the book is very very good too um but like it's, it's, it's such a hard thing to get through i i tell you what though with the book the movie okay um yeah, it definitely gets harsh. Well, like, that's good. But I'm trying to think of like anything else. Like the Human Centipede was a big fucking deal, and people will be still talking about the Human Centipede. I mean, it's a bad movie though. And this, I've never seen it. It's um, it's, it's not even a good movie. It's not even a good. If movie. you're gonna be offensive, at least be quality. I, I've I've heard people talk about it being good, but I don't I don't. Yeah, know. they're those um, weirdos who like like shitty horror films, yeah. and I genuinely try to defend them. It, it my 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 point is, Daniel, right. I'm a little surprised you don't hate this more. I mean, you didn't you didn't read that it page phrase? page. No, the whole book. Oh well, yeah. Well, the, it was concise the version it was three hours long yeah no the thick the book is not very short but it's short enough and i i hated it much less it, this would be a great like 100 page novella mm-hmm. um and it would have been better for that instead of like these lengthy like speeches by lord henry well that would that i think would make me hate the book like mm-hmm. i like honestly yeah, if you if you <laughs> read the copy i read i think you'd truly hate oh it. no i wouldn't get through it um mm-hmm. like this i gotta be honest people out there this is like a great example of like abridging like certain like older classics mm-hmm. especially because like like i don't know like i love I've never actually read it all the way through. I want to do this at some point. Like, read all of Moby Dick. Sure. And that is one... That is... I like. I want to call it bloated. Mm-hmm. Like, this I would call bloated, where it just, like, takes something and it just, like, stretches it out. Sure. Moby Dick is filled with tiny little details and little... It just makes it, like, this incredibly, like, biblical kind of journey. See, this, this is my point. Because okay. I was, like... I'm known for... Going back all that we talked about earlier, I know you've always disliked um, British literature, especially something like this, because of its aesthetics. Yes. And I think I pinpointed in my mind, compared to what you normally like, 
um, or let's say Moby Dick, I think the thing you absolutely dislike most is affect. You hate affected storytelling and literature. I think it's the idea that you prefer a plain kind of writing or emphasis on details, or you prefer efficiency and brevity and a lack of style. And Oscar Wilde is the absolute height of flowery, aesthetic, gilded writing. Like proper prose kind of in a sense? Yeah, basically. And I'm like, I was reading this, and I'm like, I think this is what Daniel actually legitimately hates. It's this kind of, like, the way it's presented in... The asceticism style, which is completely converse to what you like, which is minimalism. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I tell you what, like, again, the abridged version did not have that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. it, did, it, it did not waste your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, well, no, I, you're I, actually... I also want to make a point that uh-huh. that's your opinion is entirely fair, but there is a lot of value, especially in the context of in a in highly repressive time. Mm-hmm. It was an act of rebellion for Oscar Wilde to write like hardcore super gay extremely aesthetically pleasing if you're reading it aloud very it's very lyrical it's it's beautiful prose Mm -hmm. it's just a little bit excessive and overdone just like painting something in gold is excessive and overdone but in a time when everything's black and white painting something in gold is a beautiful act of rebellion I guess so. Is that what you appreciate about of this right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I still don't really. I'm not going to reread this for any fucking reason. Uh-huh. But I get why it was why it was important, and I enjoy certain aspects of it. Well, no, that's that's impressive that that you appreciate the uh, punk rockness about yeah. about this. This was punk rock, um, which is fine. But like. Which is kind of interesting because technically I didn't read that book. Mm-hmm. Um, I read it. I read a different book, one with pictures. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you read the the young illustrated classic. The young edition? illustrated classic version. And you know what? That one is actually it's a good story. It's actually no, that would be a good idea for a show. You compare the the illustrated classic <laughs> to the full on text. I tell you what, like it almost. I always want to talk about like doing something like that, like actually abridging certain older things because mm-hmm. I like Poe. But Poe is also another, let's call it, just to be crude about it, like, he's another purple prose kind of writer. Lovecraft That's is fair. also pretty bad. Like, But Poe actually sounds good. No, Poe is, Poe is his work is po- he's poetic, poet. he's not, poet, to, yeah. not to be hilarious about it, versus um, Lovecraft, who is just, like, laborious. Yeah, he's 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 not, he, he's, he definitely... There's no poetry in his writing, whereas, there's, there's, like, I still love, like, Poe's poetry. There, there's no... There's no heart in Lovecraft. God, I love Annabelle Lee and Bells, Bells, Bells. It was just, it was Beautiful poems. But um, but like no, I was curious about like taking those things and and abridging them just mm-hmm. as an just as like a stylistic uh, a thing. But that's always hard, and I couldn't do that for this either. Even though I th- I kept thinking like this would be a fun thing to actually say take something like Dorian Gray and do this. Mm-hmm. But Dorian Gray, you have to generally the whole point about abridging is that you need to understand and appreciate this thing that it is and distill it to its finest thing. Sure. You can't do it out of spite. Yeah, which is what you'd be. Doing. Which is which is what essentially what. Which as, your your very comical retelling of the whole story was very spiteful. Yeah, well, it wasn't that spiteful. Spiteful. Spiceful. Spiceful. It was spicy. There was there was a certain amount of like like blah 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 to it. Well, yeah, no, that's me trying to quickly do this sure. thing. Um, <laughs> it wasn't me. It was me spiteful. Like again, like uh, the story on its own, and like which is all I got, like the barest kind yeah. of thing. You you got the gothic horror story. It was the gothic horror story, and it almost is gothic, but it also doesn't really work as a gothic thing because mm-hmm. the cursed item in this whole thing like right is the picture of dorian gray yeah however it's not cursed mm-hmm. basil kind of describes this and you can maybe help me out with this maybe sure. you read the full version um basil created this portrait and he put some of himself in and basil's a good guy he's one of the yeah. few good guys in this whole thing mm-hmm. um and he paints this portrait and it's dorian who makes the 
he what he he uh, gets he's shocked by the idea that he will get older and will no yeah. longer be as beautiful as a portrait. Mm-hmm. And what is his actual thing? I feel like I'm blanking on his what actual is what? his the thing that he says like I wish. Oh, he would say uh, he would sell his soul to remain as beautiful as he is, and that like the like the picture I had I have it in the book. But yeah, that's that. So that, it's, like it's, you know, thanks to a monologue from Lord Henry, and I want to go back to an earlier point you said. Lord mm-hmm. Henry is not necessarily an immoral person. He just loves. He just enjoys the sound of his own voice spouting immoral things. Because Basil goes out of his way to be like, like Henry, you're full of shit. You say all this fancy stuff about being like immoral and doing what you want. You're actually a really decent guy. You never do anything wrong. You're just like talking about it. And and uh, the way Lord that, Henry's all talk. The way that I the way that I picked that up was essentially, and I can kind of see that too. Um, the way that I picked it up is if like Basil didn't really know who Lord Henry is necessarily. No, because like he, he does. Henry's earliest th- earliest thing is basically talking about how like uh, he appreciates secrecy. He likes uh, mm-hmm. he likes doing things that specifically his wife doesn't know about and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Clearly because he's fucking dudes. Yeah, I think um, his wife's also fucking around too. And his wife's fucking around too and his just like, yes, we secretly fuck around and nobody knows who the other one is but, fucking. Like, yeah. But um he's someone who enjoys this, the scan like the capital S the scandalousness of what he's doing. Yeah, he he appreciates the controversy of what yeah. he's doing as opposed to but he's not probably doing anything great. Whereas Dorian Gray apparently throws himself. Yeah, it's like that thing. he's like, you know, like um Henry really enjoys more than anything the fact that he knows how to influence mentor and like teach yeah. like his practices on to like these practices on to um dorian well he doesn't do any of it okay well i mean i'm sure like lord henry like like fucks dudes but yeah. that's cool but that, that's he doesn't he doesn't hang out yeah. opium dens and ruin people's lives the uh what, what, what how about this before we go on break we are going long uh. um is that let i just want to say that like maybe it's in the bridge version is because don't be wrong in the bridge version, like Lord Henry definitely sounds like the darkest element in almost the whole story. Like mm-hmm. Dorian Gray sounds like someone who is losing his soul, mm-hmm. but Lord Henry kind of it almost I, it didn't go this way. I really thought it was going to be the case because it's been a while since I read. It. I didn't fucking it's remember been a anything. While. Been a while. Uh, Lord Henry seemed like like the devil on Dorian Gray's shoulder, mm-hmm. and I would have almost liked that story a little bit more. Whereas like Dorian Gray is just being mentored by like this old devilish character mm-hmm. and at some point surpasses him. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really happen. And no, that's, ba- that's not the story. And I thought ba- Basil was going to be like the kind of like good natures, the good, the side of good nature, the influence. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen. No, again, um, Oscar Wilde did not want to write a moral tale at all. And he, it even, seems he, pretty he, fucking moral. Though. Here's what he quotes <laughs> yeah. his, in his, in his Oscar Wildean manner. He's like, the only flaw of this book is that it has a moral. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, like... He's the definition of a dandy. If it didn't have a moral, like, this story wouldn't... Yeah, he was annoyed that it had a moral. That, I don't, I don't know, like, I, I want to appreciate... No, don't me wrong, I appreciate that kind of thing. It's like, I actually do appreciate the aestheticism mm-hmm. kind of element to things, because that's actually pretty cool. It's almost like, like, again, uh, in movies, I like Nicholas Winding Refn stuff. Sure. That's, like, aestheticism in a sense. I suppose, but I think a, that's a more lot. like... I, I think he's much more of a different kind... There's a utilitarian, like, joy of style yeah. versus, I think, something like, like Barry Lyndon. That is aestheticism. That is, like, really going wicked out of your way to use natural lighting for a beautiful three-hour movie about aesthetics. But, however, that, that has a story that's, like, truly about something, though. That's true. I mean, like, that, I, I guess so. That's what, that's what I mean. We're, like, Refn... His thing is like, like if you Exce- only God forgives, excess. is almost only style. That's a fair you point. You know, actually. like uh, and he like neon demon. And there's no moral like that. to that thing. Yeah, no, there is, but yeah, we're not gonna talk. Lose about your it. hands. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Everyone, oh, give it Jesus a hand. Christ. Anyway, uh, but I tell you what, let's let's go on break because we're going Fine. long. We we're gonna go. On, we're gonna yeah. We're gonna repeat myself. Break some breaks. We're gonna do. All right, let's take a break. Yep. Come back. Final thoughts. Okay. All right. Break. Fine.
Welcome back! Hi, everyone! Surprise! Slow readers! We're still here! How you doing? We didn't go anywhere! Yes, we, we just came out of the opium den and... <laughs> Top Gallant Opium Den. Top Gallant Opium Den. I don't know. Might not be a bad name for that place. It would be. Top Gallant Parlor. I still like Top Gallant Walk-In Closet. Sure. All right. Gabriel? Yes, Daniel. We're going long, so let's do final thoughts really quick. Gabriel, final thoughts! Final thoughts. Um, This book is... Um, I can't debate that it's very good. Um, I, I, I still don't get it. Maybe I'll, maybe I will revisit this some point when I have more patience. Um, but having read, having learned all I did from school, I really appreciate the history. I love what it's about. I love what it does. Do I like reading the prose? Maybe, maybe in very small bursts. I fell asleep reading this thing multiple times. Um, recommend if you like British literature, if you like something very stylized, like something with a lot of affect. If you like hearing the author's, um, voice in the prose very loudly, then Oscar Wilde's for you. I can't believe you haven't read him already. Or, I mean, read his plays, shit. Yeah. Uh, I would say, say, like, if anyone is all interested in Dorian Gray, because, Gabriel, you are 100% right. And to be wrong, like, it's it. been so long that, like, when um, when I had read the actual book itself, and that kind of prose is sounds absolutely... Uh, just like I couldn't, st- I probably most likely cannot stand that. Yeah. And if I think I, if I'm reading it and I'm like, oh boy, yeah. But you'd read it and be like, fuck this shit. Well, I just be bored. Yeah. Like I mean, like I'm sorry, Mr. Wild. I know you you love being shocking, whatever. You're boring. Mm-hmm. Um. So take that, Dick. Oh, uh, there, anyway, there is a wonderful lyricism to the way he writes. That and, Lord Henry's speeches must be a fucking. Del- I mean, like if you see any of his plays, his words are a delight to perform. Well, I tell you what, look, Lord Henry's speeches, and I'm sure even those are abridged, but they're they're interesting. And they are lyrical, like the dialogue mm-hmm. most like most likely is still yeah. there. It's just like it's like the long passage of like descriptions and whatnot that are yeah. just like you know him jerking himself. But anyway, yeah. well, there's a funny thing to it. That famous quote about the book as well that um, um, Basil Hall, like he said about the book, Basil Hallward is how I see myself. Lord Henry is how people think of me, and Dorian is what I wish I had been. Is that what he said? Something like that. Okay. But in that, I know the first two parts are right. Or what he was. Dorian is something what he was. Well, but I think that his long-winded speeches are like, quote-unquote, the worst parts of him. That he's playing to the crowd. People have this image of who Oscar Wilde is. And that's exactly who he's pretending to be in Lord Lord Henry. Yeah, and that's definitely going to be my hazy memory, actually. When we oh, well, we got to say it the way we say it. Well, yeah, but we're not there yet. I'm okay. still going on the thing. Um, Let me find the real quote. But no, uh, like... But if anyone's interested in the story, because, like, Dorian Gray has this weird kind of thing where it crosses into gothic horror, even though it's really not. Um, and, like, and the, oh. the interesting thing yeah, is I that, like, really if, if you're interested yeah. in Dorian hearing... is what I would like to be, Dash, <laughs> in other ages, perhaps. Cool, thanks. Uh, if you're interested in, like, the like the gothic horror story, yeah, check out the abridged version. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the picture, maybe the, the illustrated yeah, classics illustrated version. illustrated classics? You actually do get, like, a gothic horror story. Because, I remember like, I, I read that. Because if it... I, I don't think I did. I don't think I read that one. I remember seeing the illustration of him like lying dead. <laughs> I always liked how like like bleached out the violence is in any of these stories, like uh, Jekyll and Hyde and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no, ch- check that out. Play. You'll get a gothic horror story. The actual novel isn't that at all. Um, and yeah, it's it's fine. It's good. I appreciate it. I like the gothic horror story, but I'm not interested in the novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Fair. Gabriel. We have another segment. Uh-huh. A couple segments, actually. Yeah. Oh, three segments. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, let's do it very quickly. Gabriel, we have a segment in honor of Jonathan Hayes of the Whip Around. The Whip Around Podcast. And we it's called Hazy Memories. Hazy Memories. Gabriel? Yes, Daniel. A hazy memory is a memory you retain from the book. <laughs> yes. Uh, they all foggily hold on to forever. Gabriel, what is your hazy memory? Vum. Bye, Joy. I love you guys. The what? 
you know, my takeaway now is my fascination in Basil. That, especially knowing that, like, that's how the secret real version of Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. That, you know, as a as a writer and creator myself, sometimes, um, it's easy to throw yourself into something and then become obsessed with it and then hate it and then want to get rid of it and then find it has must be gotten rid of. Um, I'm gonna think about Basil and. That opening parlor scene is very interesting to me. I'm going to think about that long debate about, like, pretending to be something that you're not and giving yourself to your art. So that's my hazy memory. Uh, Daniel, what is your hazy memory? My hazy memory references that thing you just said about how, like, uh, Lord Henry is who people think Wild is. Because I remember... It could be, like, also the fog of memory that's kind of obscuring this. Your hazy memory? But I remember uh, that when I was taught this the first time around, like, we were learning the things that Oscar Wilde believed in. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of the things that Lord Henry says, Mm -hmm. which... Like, reading this version, which actually might be very different from reading the the non-abridged version because mm-hmm. the non-abridged version I feel like the voice of Wilde and Henry kind of like blend together a little bit more Probably. whereas this Lord Henry's speeches kind of stands out more okay. Lord Henry does not Lord Henry seems like an antagonist mm-hmm. because he's clearly trying to get Dorian Gray to like to be a narcissist to yeah. to like be I mean, he's not a nice person he, he's not he's it sounds like he's truly like all and if Dorian Gray is the protagonist the anti-hero the uh, tragic hero mm-hmm. um then he is like the devil essentially he's the guy yeah. who, who like, teases him. even if yeah, he's not that bad or whatever yeah, you're not wrong he's he, definitely someone who manipulates a young person into following a really dark path and that's that's literally what he does yeah um so like so yeah, but like read, but hearing this, I was like, oh, that's not shit. Wild believes in that's mm-hmm. that's something that Henry says, and Henry's not a good person. Yeah, like it's really not. Like when Gray is very realistic, just being like, like uh, you know, I f- actually forget exactly. Oh, like the simple thing about like saying like like, dude, I fucking am responsible for her death. Henry's like, no, you're not. She had, Chill, a, she had a beautiful death, <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah, but that's not the things that Wild believes in because no. that's coming from the antagonist fucking yeah. voice. So. So you're wrong, school. Uh-huh. <laughs> so fuck you. Entirely probable. Yeah. It, but don't be wrong. Also, I feel like again because of how much that stands out. While I, this, my version is missing Wilde's voice. Yeah, so that's very interesting. That is that. But to be honest, I don't care to read that book. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. I, I, do I, I If you asked me, should I read this? I'd be like, no. You would and, not like this book. And you know what? Uh, if anyone out there has, has a criticism about that, you can send a letter or a message to uh, DM me at Top Gaunt Radio. Uh, I'll get to readers. it and probably just be like my honest response would just be like yes, but I honestly just, I don't message us on slow readers or slow readers. Well, I think uh, or leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or yeah. Well, no, I want to basically have a chance to respond. I suppose you can't respond to a review. I oh, that's true. It's not Yelp. But uh, but so yeah, yeah. So that's the But anyway, let's stop talking about this book. All right, Gabriel, it's Daniel. Now I think we're gonna take a break from Strand eighty next week. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, quick plug for the Strand. Go check out the Strand. Follow them at Strand Bookstore on Instagram and give them a shout out. Tell us about our show. Let's roll them. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, but I, I do really, I love the rolling aspect. The of rolling this. is fun. I have a good time rolling. It's, it's the least harm. It's the least harmless. It's the least harmless thing we've done. <laughs> okay. All right, everyone. Again. One second. We're gonna. Um, Daniel is currently looking up what is on the Strand eighty list, a list of reader favorites of very important books, and we are rolling dice to find out which one to do next. A massive eighty sided dice, Gabriel. Yes. Are you ready to I'm roll? I'm ready. Do that sound effect. It's so heavy. Here we go. 24. 
24 is... Oh, shit. We're going to take a while reading this one. East of Eden by John oh, Steinbeck. Cool. Haven't you wanted to do that one for a while? Yeah, well, I've actually been wanting to read it for a while. I read, like, the first third of it, like, Cool. Maybe 10 East years of Eden. Ago. That sounds exciting. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe we can talk about the I movie. I saw the movie. Yeah, I think you saw the movie, yeah, which I cannot... Like, every time I hear about the movie, I'm like, how is that a... How, the what? movie is a completely different work of art. You, oh. They're basically only loosely the same thing. I, I've rather read the first third or first half of that mm-hmm. book and at that point, uh, James Dean's character isn't an adult yet. Yeah, it's it's like the difference between <laughs> a painting and an opera. They're it's, completely it's, different things. It's gen- it's it's a generational epic, so. Yeah, uh, it's hard I, to do it. I can't thing. wait to read it. It is. I can't stress it enough again. It's very long. Yeah, if the library is open today, it's Sunday, right? We can't, yeah. It's going to be closed. I, I'll see what I can do. My copy of East of Eden is back in Pennsylvania. Fuck. All right. Good job. Gabriel. What? Uh, but before we do that, let's have about what we're going to read. We're going to take a break next week. Yeah. And so we're going to do this thing where I'm going to select a book and then you select a book. Yay. I, won't, I went first because I always come first. Sorry, ladies. It's a crude sex joke. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was like, it's like, that's the joke I'm going to for. Then I said it and I was like, ugh. No. Right. Well, I'm sorry about that, guys. Hey, I've always, in all the manuals I've read, that's okay as long as you're ready to go again. <laughs> manuals? Yes. Old. Dan, old... I worked in a sex shop. Uh, I, I had nothing to do for 12 hours a night but read sex books. I imagine you're reading like ancient manuals. Of, like, a on, like the Kama Sutra? No, this like... is more like interviews if, um, what's her face? That lady who ran that, that, that prostitution ring in Hollywood. Heidi something. I'm making a random hook, like like this old hooker name. I was like, Bevy Fuckhouse. (laughs) Good name. Anyway. Bevy? Like Beverly? Beverly Fuckhouse? Yeah, Bevy Fuckhouse. Yeah, I did. Uh, From the Fuckhouse family. Yeah. The House of Fuckhouse. The House of Fuck. Anyway. The House of Fuckhouse. So um, I'm going to go first just because I think I I had something to establish. Well, I wanted to actually, I wanted to talk about it. Because uh, I I mentioned this, it was one of my favorite books of last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to talk about Goddamn the Friends of Getty. The Friends of Getty Watanabe? The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Okay. By George V. Higgins. George Virginia Higgins. It is a lovingly short novel. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, this is our chance to read short books, guys. It's basically going to be the opposite of uh, reading uh, the non version of... <laughs> East of Eden <laughs> and uh, uh, Dorian Gray. Cool. Because, uh, yeah, and I can't wait to talk about this, but, but uh, we'll do... So next week, Friends of Eddie Coyle. Week after that... Uh, one, of one of my choices. Picks. I think I know what you're going to pick. Uh, What's it going to be, Daniel? I, I'm not going to say an air. Might be Emily of New Moon. I'm going to be surprised on the thing. And then after that, we're going to do East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Cool beans. Gabriel. Yes, Daniel. Last thing to do, plug, plug. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, please, as I said last time, I have the link now. Um, I'm sorry. Please check, out the, yeah, please check out the back catalog of our other show. It was Sex and Violence, your weekly punk rock movie podcast, where Ryan Snyder, rest in peace, and I covered um, sexy and grody violent films from today and yesterday. If you want to check that out, those are still online. They'll probably be online as long as we can make sure it happens. Yeah. I mean, so um, in the meantime... Uh, please, if you'd like to, go to events.donors1.org. Go to um, uh, gosh, like the Gift of Life uh, website, I believe it's called, for the donor dash. You know, if you go to events.donors1.org, um, you can join a team or you can register money to donate to um, Ryan's team, basically, that his sister and um, his cousin uh, and his mother... They are going to do a donor dash. I think they're doing running a 5K. Their team name is... Ryan's Goslings, Possessive Ryan, Goslings plural, because of the rum Goslings, and Ryan had a cocktail, is basically a kind of daiquiri based on Ryan's Goslings. Um, so follow that team. Um, please, please donate some money to them. We'll put um, that link on there. And I think I'm going to see if I can uh, do some further plugging for that when it comes up. It's not until April, so please check that out. 
Also, and that will be in the link. <laughs> yeah, also the link will be in the show notes. So if you have $5, $1, cents, please donate. They need it. Mm-hmm. And leaving all the sum, all that very serious business behind, we are making, such I am making, such Daniel and I are making, Top Gallant Radio stickers. They're hey. going to be very amusing. <laughs> and um, in a desperate attempt to get more reviews. If you haven't already reviewed this show, please review the show on iTunes. And then when you, once you've done that, or iTunes or Stitcher, and once you've done that, DM me and I will send you a free sticker. Or DM Daniel at Slow Readers on Instagram. Or um, Top Gallant Radio. Or Top Gallant Radio. Oh, Find us. I'm at baby underscore underscore Mara. I'll be posting these photos of these stickers soon, and I will send you a free sticker if you review the show. It doesn't have to be a good review, preferably a good review, but so we're not bribing you. Even if you give us a bad review, and I'll send you a sticker. Oh, yeah. Um, and definitely, I think, yeah, I think that's the obvious way, because we'll post pictures of this both on the Top Gallant, uh, uh, t- uh, what do you call it, Twitter, and also Slow Readers Instagram. You're on Twitter? Yeah, Top Gun Radio. Hmm. I never post. I never post anything because I. Sure. I'm not that much of a Twitterer. Well, I'll just just keep on posting to the Strand every time you do a book on it. Barely a goddamn Instagrammer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, yeah. That said, uh, uh, on my front, as we kind of hinted at earlier, Gabe mentioned this. Uh, yes, I have a new story out right now that Yay. you can get. I finally got around to it amidst moving and doing job stuff. I finally finished uh, the next story in A Cook in the Kingdom. This is part four. Makes me realize I'm almost done with the whole thing. Uh, And that is out, which I almost say in a way it's like I'm almost done and I can't fucking – I feel like this is like a long – it's 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 you know I've, yeah well I'm not gonna get into that when I was big long to get into endeavor that. but like it's a it's a longish endeavor and I'm almost done and and it's gonna be very exciting when it's done but uh, it is out right now it is called A Cook in the Kingdom Part Four The Romantic Invader hey so go ahead check that on Amazon and I'll, you can check out all the other uh, 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 books that I have up as well I uh, hope you do and let me know what you think check it out guys mm-hmm. um, enclosed Daniel for every copy he sells Daniel will give you a recipe of his own creation. What? Sure. Yeah. Stolen from Conan Ramsey. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> all, all Ramsey recipes. Yeah, it's all you Ramsey scratched recipes. out Ramsey, wrote Daniel. It's the same one, too. Yeah. It's, it's my, all the pasta one. My face over his. <laughs> um, but okay, that's that's it. We're going to end the show now because we ran very long. Cool. <laughs> all right. Next Can't time. Be, why do we spend so much fucking time on, on Oscar Wilde? Because it was interesting. I cannot believe it. Interesting talk. I thought I had nothing to say. Also, I took a whole course on it. Okay. Well, Gabriel, we're going away. All right. Bye. See you next time. This has been a Top Gallant Radio production, executive produced by Daniel Gonzalez and Gabriel Mara. For more shows and information, go to topgallantradio.com. Top